IndyCar fans, it's time to start your engines. Welcome to Pit Pass Indy, a production of Evergreen Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Martin, a journalist who regularly covers the NTT IndyCar series. Our goal at Pit Pass Indy is to give racing fans an insider's view of the exciting world of the NTT IndyCar series in a fast-paced podcast featuring interviews with the biggest names in the sport. I bring nearly 40 years of experience covering IndyCar and NASCAR, working for such media brands as NBCSports.com, SI.com, ESPN Sports Ticker, Sports Illustrated, Auto Week, and Speed Sport. So let's drop the green flag on this episode of Pit Pass Indy. They are on the track at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway as the month of May for the 105th Indianapolis 500 is underway. But the action kicked off last Saturday with 20-year-old Renus VK of the Netherlands winning the GMR Grand Prix on the 14-turn, 2.439-mile Indianapolis Motor Speedway road course. VK started seventh, was able to track down Romain Grosjean of France, and used some brilliant strategy and a fast pit stop toward the end of the race to claim his first career IndyCar victory. VK became the sixth youngest driver to win an IndyCar Series race in history. We caught up with VK after his thrilling victory and is our featured guest on today's Pit Pass Indy. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy is a IndyCar Series race winner, Renus VK. Won the GMR Grand Prix at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway for your first career victory. How does it feel now to finally be called an IndyCar race winner you're only 20. Yeah, it feels amazing. Um, yeah, I'm just so super happy. It's been the b- best race of my life. Uh, everything went perfect. Car was perfect. Really want to thank the team. Uh, thank the team for that. And the uh, strategy, like always, was just on point. So um, I'm extremely happy. I'm extremely grateful for everyone at, at Carpenter Racing and at Chevy for giving me all they have and uh yeah i'm just very excited to have with you know with a race win into the indy 500 you've also become the poster boy for the road to indy you've won at every level of the road to indy and to become the first driver to do that how important is that uh i think it's pretty important yeah i'm very happy uh to uh to get that title in my name but uh yeah i just want to win as much as possible in any kind of series and uh, yeah, one in every series so far, so very happy with it, and uh, I'm really grateful for the road to Indy to uh, with you know their ladder system, how they have uh, how they made that, and uh, how I progressed through it. All of your great accomplishments in IndyCar have come at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Last July in this race, when it was held on July the fourth, you scored your first top five. Then in the Indianapolis 500, you became the fastest teenager in Indy 500 history last August. Then you scored your first career pole here in October, got your first podium here in October, and in your first race back since then, you win your first IndyCar race. So just how special is that to accomplish all of that at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway? Yeah, it's uh, it's surreal. Oh, I love this place. Uh, it's I, the closest I can uh, get to a home race. Uh, team's based in Indiana. Indianapolis, and uh, I live right next to the Speedway. So, yeah, it's um, it's the best place I could wish for to do it, and uh, hopefully I can do it again in two weeks' time. And how important is it to have this momentum 
beginning on Tuesday as you start practice for the 105th Indianapolis 500? Uh, it's a great momentum I can have, and uh, it really, really motivates me and the team and uh, kind of takes some pressure off because we know, well, we've shown we can win, so uh, just got to do the same kind of stuff for the 500, and uh, yeah, will be a very, very good month of May. The heritage of this place with Ed Carpenter runs deep. You know, his father, his stepfather owned the place until November yeah. of, of 2019 when it was bought by Roger Penske. And to give Ed Carpenter his first win at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and of all places, the road course instead of the oval, just how do you process all that? Uh, yeah, it's just uh, crazy, uh, crazy coincidence, but uh, just, uh, you know, I know everyone's motivated and I know uh, everyone would love to win in the five uh, in the 500, but also just in Indianapolis. So, uh, yeah, we finally done it. And uh, I'm just very, very happy for everyone at the team. And I think this is a dream come true for everyone. The fastest teenager in Indy 500 history at 19 last year, I guess the best way to top that would become the youngest winner in Indy 500 history on May 30th. You'd only be 20. The record is Troy Rutman in 1952 at 22. Do you feel that that is easily within your grasp? Um, well, nothing's easy, yeah. but um, I'll give it my my everything. Uh, I know uh, I will have a good car at the 500, and uh, I have an awesome sponsor for the 500 too with Bitcoin. So, um, definitely have many people rooting for me, and um, yeah, you know, I'll give it the same effort I did as today. And uh, yeah, I think we definitely have a shot to win the race. Winner of the GMR Grand Prix. Good luck in the 105th Indianapolis 500. Good luck in practice beginning on Tuesday, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much. We also spoke with winning team owner Ed Carpenter, a three-time Indy 500 pole winner who claimed his first victory at Indianapolis, ironically, on the road course instead of the famed 2.5-mile oval. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy is a winning team owner at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. It's Ed Carpenter. Ed, the Speedway is part of this race team's heritage. You're a three-time Indy 500 pole winner. You came close to winning the Indy 500 in 2018. How ironic is it that you get your first victory as a team at Indianapolis on the road course? Uh, any win in Indy is always good, right? You know, same with when I won the Freedom 100 here back in 2003 with AJ, you know, it's always special to, to win here, um, you know, but it still doesn't check the box of winning the Indy 500. So, you know, it's, this today is an awesome way to start the month for us. And, you know, hopefully as a team, we can ride this momentum uh, through the next couple of weeks and be celebrating again and in a couple of Sundays. How about the maturity level that Renus VK showed? Because he's had kind of an up and down career and his season and a third of IndyCar series racing. It's it's like when he succeeds, it's very impressive, but he also has a tendency sometimes that when he fails, it can be a little spectacular. So to see him be able to put together a race like he did today, how impressed were you by his effort? Uh, it was great. You know, he, he, drove a, he drove a perfect race, really. He did everything he needed, needed to do, maximized his strategy, and didn't make any mistakes. There were plenty of mistakes out there today, but not from him. And, you know, we're, see, we're seeing growth. You know, he definitely went through his learning curve last year. You know, he, he's made one mistake this year. Fortunately for all of us, it was at a test. But, you know, he, he's, been, he's been chipping away this season. 
you know, he's sixth in points and he had a couple top sixes early and wasn't spectacular at Texas, but he also didn't give anything away. He, he brought it home and did what he could do. So, you know, he's shown a lot more maturity in year two and, and that's what you expect. You know, he, the potential is all there as, as he showed everyone today. Um, you know, so hopefully this is the first of many for him. And how special was it for, for Tony and Laura, your stepfather and your mother, to be able to go to Victory Lane at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway? Oh, they were over in turn two. Neither of them went and got their COVID test today, so they didn't come in. But um, they were here celebrating. We talked. Um, you know, I think it, it, there's a lot of family pride in everything we do, you know, as a family and as a team. Um, you know, but I couldn't be here without them. So everyone's got a hand in this. Well, and also the fact that, I mean, the Speedway means so much to the family. And, you know, it, it was a difficult decision to sell in 2019 to Roger Penske. But, you know, to, to think that to come back and now be a race winner at the Speedway kind of completes the circle in many ways. Yeah, I mean, the separation was always probably a little easier for me than other family members yeah. because my connection's mostly been as a competitor anyway. And, you know, I think when when you talk to anybody, whether it's AJ, you know, Roger before he owned it, everyone that races here, like we all feel like a piece of it's ours in a way, uh, just because this place does so much for all of us. But, you know, just happy that, happy that we're still here, happy that, that Roger's carrying on the torch and doing a great job. The GM, GMR Grand Prix is now complete. Now it's time to begin practice for the 105th Indianapolis 500, and you go from being an owner on top of the timing stand to being an owner-driver inside of the number 20 Chevrolet. So what is your outlook and prospects beginning Tuesday for practice for the 150 Indianapolis 500 from your point of view? I'm excited. You know, I mean, uh, last last May wasn't a great one for me. Didn't, didn't really get anything results-wise what we wanted. But, um, you know, I think as a team, when we left here after the open test, uh, outside Arenas' accident, I think we felt like we had a really productive test, felt like we were better, um, you know, and had addressed some things from last year and ready ready to hit the ground running and hopefully have a, a smooth couple of weeks and be celebrating after on Memorial Day. Do you see yourself once again fighting it out for the pole? Um, you know, if that if that comes, it comes. You know, I'm, I'm really, really focused on, on the race and the race car. You know, if, if we have speed as, as we approach qualifying, we'll, we'll sure make a run at it. You know, when you have the speed, you're crazy not to. So, um, you know, but really we're here, we're here to make the best race car, best race cars we can. And because, you know, I've won the pole three times. It doesn't, it doesn't guarantee you anything. You have to have a good race car. So that's the focus. And it's a potent three uh, driver lineup with yourself. Today's race winner, Renus VK and Connor Daly in the Air Force slash Space Force entry. So just Air Force, just Air Force this year, yes. Uh, but I mean, those are three drivers. Uh, you have experience. Connor has experience. Renus has youth, but his experience keeps growing. He was the fastest teenager in Indy 500 history last year. He can has a chance to become the youngest winner in Indy 500 history should he win before he turns 22. He's just 20, but you got to feel pretty good about the three drivers you got going into the month of May. For sure. I know I know. for me, if I'm going to win, I'm going to have to beat both of them. They're both tough. You know, outside of, outside of Renus's incident in the pits last year at the 500, you know, I think he would have been a factor when it was all said and done. So, you know, he, he, he got comfortable very quickly here on the Oval and 
um, you know, I think, I think we've got three good horses and, you know, hopefully perfect world will fight it out amongst ourselves. And finally, hard to believe, but it's been since 2016 that the team had won a race, and that was when Joseph Newgarden was still one of your drivers. Uh, to be able to snap that streak after five years, how important was that to you? Yeah, it's a big, big relief. You know, I mean, we knew we knew we still had the potential and the people to to get it done. Uh, we just we just simply hadn't gotten it done. So nice to to get one get one in the win column this season, and you know, hopefully we won't have to wait as long for the next one. Ed Carmener, congratulations on the win in the GMR Grand Prix, and good luck as you begin your quest for the 105th Indianapolis 500. Thanks, Bruce. Ari Leyendijk is a two-time Indianapolis 500 winning driver who is now one of the race stewards for IndyCar. Leyendijk is also from the Netherlands and has served as an advisor and consultant for the young driver from his native Holland. Lion Dyke talked to us about VK's tremendous improvement, his potential, and what it means to him to see another Dutchman in victory lane. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy is two-time Indianapolis 500 winning driver, Ari Lion Dyke. Ari, you have a protege from the Netherlands, kid named Renus VK, won his first race on Saturday in the GMR Grand Prix, and I know you've been coaching him. How proud are you of what he was able to accomplish? He's just 20 years old. Yeah, yeah. He's been doing so good for his age. He's, he's mature beyond his, his age, for sure. But uh, I got to put one thing straight that I never really coached him. I just give him some good advice every now and then. And uh, he, he, he generally listens. Even like three years ago when he was driving in the pro Mazda series um, he does listen and he does listen to Ed and uh, and that's a good thing to see at his age so he drove a phenomenal race I know and I've known he's just super fast he's got just a lot of natural talent and although he's very young he's been doing this for a long time you know go-karting first and then the road to Indy but uh, yeah super super happy for him super happy as a fellow native of the Netherlands, how proud are you that you and him are both IndyCar Series winners? No, I mean, it, it, you know, Robert Dornbos is another driver from the Netherlands who won some uh, Champco races. And, uh, yeah, no, I'm super proud. I, when, when Max Verstappen won his first race, I got very emotional. Um, and I know Max, uh, I know Max, but not, not the way I know uh, Renus. Yeah. And today I got super emotional I was like it's like my own kid winning the race so yeah it was uh, I had my job to do in race control and I uh, was doing that and then all of a sudden I'm like oh man he's got a good lead going there because I haven't really seen where he took the lead and how all that went down I'll watch it later but uh, yeah very proud of him and the other thing is Ed Carpenter of Ed Carpenter Racing their, their heritage is deep at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Ed's a three-time Indy 500 pole winner. He's come close to winning the Indy 500 before the family once owned this place until Roger Penske bought it in 2019. Ed finally gets to go to victory lane at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and of all places, it's on the road course. So how ironic is that? No, I, I, now you're saying that. I didn't think of it that way, but yeah. So Ed, is, as a car owner, won his first race at the Speedway. Yeah. Not the one that he wants to win, we know that. So let's see how it goes this, uh, the remainder of, uh, of May. But, uh, you know, Ed has always had good cars here, and Renus was super fast last year as a rookie, so hopefully 
They can keep that going on. Well, he was the fastest teenager in Indy 500 history last year, and now he's got a shot of becoming the youngest Indy 500 winner ever. Troy Rutman was 22. Renus is just 20. How legitimate of a chance do you think he has of winning the Indy 500? Well, I think any race win, like a race win like today, gives you a lot of confidence as a driver. You know you can do it. And I think that, um, you know, he can handle the pressure. And uh, if he's there leading the race, I mean, you know, and he's in a position to win, I, I do not count him out as a, as a future 500 winner based on his pace last year. I mean, his pace was very fast. He made a mistake on the pit stop. He took out a crew member or maybe two crew members and... Uh, we gave him a drive-through, uh, uh, Max Pappas and I, as stewards, we gave him a drive-through for that infraction. And uh, hopefully he learns from that and he has smooth pit stops. And if he went for that pit stop last year, I, I think he could have been in the top three. So he could win. And the other thing is, as a two-time Indy 500 winner yourself, I mean, we've all been coming here for a long time. You've been coming here probably as many years as I have. Yeah, 85. But, yeah, but when you walk into this place still, especially with fans here, I mean, the atmosphere is, is unmistakable. What's it like for Ari Leyendijk every time you return here? Every time, you know, I get goosebumps on the grid when all the traditional mm. uh, stuff happens, you know, back home in Indiana, you're singing and the, and the national anthem and the and the the National Guard, uh, the flybys, the flyovers. Um, it all just brings, and I always tell guys that I coach at Indy, guys, just sit down, take it in, enjoy it, because the start is the start of the race. That, that You're going to react to how things happen when they happen. You can't plan ahead yeah. of the start. So just sit back here and enjoy all this stuff, because it's very unique, and it's, it's great to be, be coming back here every year or so. And one other thing about today's victory, uh, Tony George, partner with Ed Carpenter at Ed Carpenter Racing. And, you know, his family owned this track for 74 years until they sold it to Roger Penske in 2019. So in a lot of ways, today also had to be a little bit of a really happy homecoming for a guy who spent so much time and effort and had so much love for this facility. No, absolutely. I mean, Tony George, you know, and the, and the Holman family, uh, the girls, you know, his sisters and him, they finally decided to sell uh, the Speedway and they couldn't have sold it to a better person than Roger Penske, who loves this place. Um, but for Tony to to come away with a win here like today is really cool in that regard that he's not associated with the Speedway anymore yeah. as far as an owner. Yeah. He's independent. He, him, him and uh, Ed Carpenter, they own the team. And they, uh, they've done it on their own as independents in a way. And I think that makes it pretty special for him, more than if he were still an owner of the Speedway. Well, it's always a great time to be here in the month of May in Indianapolis at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Two-time Indy 500 winning driver, Ari Leyendijk. Thank you for joining us today on Pit Pass yeah. Indy. You're welcome. In the world of racing, Penske means performance and winning. For good reason. Since 1966, Team Penske has won 44 national championships, 17 in IndyCar alone. And last year, Team Penske claimed its Indianapolis 500 record-extending 19th Indy 500 win with Joseph Newgarden, the latest driver, to win the famed race. 
Team Penske also won its second straight NASCAR Cup Series championship. In 2022, Penske was the first team in history to win both the IndyCar and the NASCAR Cup Series championships in the same season. Team Penske enters the 2024 NTT IndyCar Series season with 236 IndyCar wins, including 34 500-mile race victories. Those are results that are tough to top. But Penske's legendary reputation for quality and attention to detail makes a statement off the track, too. When you need a truck, whether for your business or for a household move, Penske Truck Rental has some of the cleanest, newest, and best-maintained vehicles on the road. And we make it easy with personalized support from our associates, flexible reservations, and access to the top technology. With quick pickup and drop-off at more than 2,500 locations across North America, our scale and know-how will keep you covered, all helping to ensure you get the right, reliable, fuel-efficient vehicle when and where you need it. On the highways, the raceways, and every pit stop in between, Penske keeps you moving forward. Gain ground with Penske. Get a quote today at PenskeTruckRental.com or for household rentals, download the Penske Truck Rental mobile app today. Let's not forget about the great weekend that former Formula One driver Romain Grosjean had as the former Haas F1 driver scored his first pole in just his third IndyCar start. Grosjean led the most laps in Saturday's race. He was in front for 44 of the 85 laps in the contest. VK led 33 laps. Dale Coyne is Grosjean's team owner and assessed the Frenchman's tremendous adaptation from F1 to IndyCar. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy is IndyCar Series team owner Dale Coyne, whose driver, Roman Grosjean, not only scored his first pole for the GMR Grand Prix, he finished second. I guess in a lot of ways, you can't really be too bummed out that he finished second. You're here to win, but that's a pretty good weekend for a driver starting just his third IndyCar race. Uh, obviously, we never expected this and we're happy with this, but I never thought I'd be disappointed to finish second either. We, we had a very strong car. We got caught up in traffic. Um, a couple guys, a few guys went off strategy, so it created some problems. We had problems with cars we were trying to lap, holding us up, but we couldn't get by to go up and try to catch Ryan's back. Back when, you know, he passed us, he was on reds, we were on blacks. Big difference in the tires in this race, and um, it just didn't work out our way that way. But we were. You know, Rhinus and Romain were the two fastest cars out there all day, for sure. Was it the fact that the red tires didn't quite perform the way you expected them to be a, a big key to the race? No, they, they performed great. Um, it's the black tires that didn't perform. Okay. The black tires were going off. They weren't lasting at all. So when Rhinus was on reds, we were on blacks, and you know, the blacks just wouldn't didn't have any durability at all. What, uh, what was it about this course that seemed to click so well for Roman? We thought it'd be good here. It's, it's, it, they thinks it's more of a European type track. It's uh, you know smooth and flowing, like European road courses are. So we thought he would like this place, and he certainly did. And I kind of thought it was funny that he talked about never having done a rolling start from the pole before. He looked like an old veteran at the start of the race. He did it perfectly. We uh, we talked a lot about that actually, and. Uh, he had a way he wanted to do it, and I had a way I wanted to do it. And he said, 
he finally agreed, okay, I'll do it your way. If it doesn't work, you're not here next week, Dale. <laughs> I get to come for another weekend. <laughs> well, that's another thing. I mean, despite his great race, he will not be in the 150 Indianapolis 500. He's your street and road course driver. He may run an oval later this year at possibly Gateway. But uh, Dale Coyne Racing, uh, outlook for the 150 Indianapolis 500. You've got some very talented drivers that are going to be out there. How do you feel that Ed Jones and Pietro Fittipaldi will uh, will do getting ready for the 150 Indianapolis 500? I mean, Ed gave us our best finish here with his third, and and uh, Pietro, you know, is, is a proven good racer. So I think you know we're excited about him. His chances for Rookie of the Year. Um, Ed, you never know. You know, he he had a hole in front of his car when he finished third. Uh, I think he had the the car to win that race. You know, a few years ago when he was with us. So. We'll, uh, we're looking forward to the month for sure. And what is the latest on uh, Cody Ware? He was originally going to run the 500, and then, you know, that changed. Is there still a possibility he may be able to be able to run that race? Not, not the 500, no. Um, he may run some races later in the year. We, we just don't know that yet for sure. He's, but, got, he's got a pretty full schedule on, on the NASCAR side. But every year your team proves that it can uh, not only compete against the big teams but beat them. And how satisfying is that for you? Because you've been in this sport for a very long time. And there were a lot of years where you probably knew, realized you didn't have much of a chance to win. But now you're one of the guys in any given race that could win a race. No, we, we, we've tried to increase our, our driver quality every year. I think we have. I think we've got a pretty good duo right now. Um, our engineering is strong. It, um, I think you put those things together and you, and you put the investment in you need to put it into in the right spots and you can get good results, and I think we, sh we showed that this weekend. And speaking of investment, even after a global pandemic, when a lot of us thought that sponsorship would take a big hit, the series seems to, didn't. it seems like nobody left sponsor-wise, that the teams all kept their sponsors, and the field is getting even bigger. How surprised are you that that happened? I'm surprised at the size of the fields, you know, I, that we're not shorter, you know. You know, NASCAR just fills the field, and I think, you know, we... We have larger than normal fields now, so um, that is a bit surprising. It's good news. Um, I'm excited about what the new television package might be in the future, and and I think you know Roger's taking this sport in the right direction. And thank God he came along, and and uh, he's dedicated to making this thing successful. And you are a strategic wizard when it comes to figuring out race strategy with the Aero package for the 105th Indianapolis 500. How do you think the race will be? Do you think the passing will be any easier? Do you think it'll be the same as it was the last couple of years? How do you think that will go? I think I think it'll be easier, but not noticeably easier. I mean, they're making the right they're making some right steps, but it, it takes some really big steps to make these cars able to pass. But there are some drivers who believe that it shouldn't be easy to pass for the lead in the Indy 500, that it should be something that a driver has to fight for and earn. Where do you fall in that debate? Well, I think it should. I think it should always be up to the driver. Yeah. Um, no, you don't want you don't want false things to make them make the racing more exciting. You want drivers that are exciting. And when you look back at the humble beginnings that your team started with and see what you've created today, how proud are you of what you've been able to accomplish? Well, I'm proud of our guys. I mean, you know, our guys work hard. We're they, uh, we're kind of like a family team in a way, but but. Uh, Everybody, everybody works really hard. Everybody does this because they love it. They don't do this because this is a job. They do it because they love it. IndyCar Series team owner Dale Coyne, congratulations on Roman Grosjean's 
efforts in the GMR Grand Prix, and good luck in the 150 Indianapolis 500. Thank you. Thank you very much. We also caught up with another IndyCar rookie. It's seven-time NASCAR Cup Series champion Jimmy Johnson, who continues the process of learning a completely different form of racing from the world of driving a stock car for Hendrick Motorsports. Although the statistics may not show it, Johnson has seen progress in his ability to learn the nuances of the IndyCar at Carvana Chip Ganassi Racing. Here we are now in Gasoline Alley at the world-famous Indianapolis Motor Speedway with seven-time NASCAR Cup Series champion Jimmy Johnson, who this year is an NTT IndyCar Series rookie with Carvana Chip Ganassi Racing. We're in front of Chip Ganassi Racing Garage. Jimmy, you're competing in the GMR Grand Prix at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway on the road course. How difficult of a challenge has it been for you to adapt on all the different race courses that you haven't competed on before in your career now that you're a road course and a street course driver in the NTT IndyCar Series? Pucker and let fear run through your veins. It's, it's hard, to, hard to grow from it. So that's been... That's been the tricky part. I've been in the sim a fair amount, and it's easy to be brave in the sim because there's no consequences. You know, you show up in real life, and, and it's it's a little different scenario. But I'm studying like crazy, and um, I can see the pieces starting to fall in place now. Man, out of the two places I've been to before this, this track is way easier for reference points. Barber, everything's blind, and in St. Pete, you can't see anything with the tall walls. I've had a blast. I mean, really, no one is having more fun than I am out there. Jimmy, because of your positive test last year at the Brickyard, do you feel that this is kind of a way to make up a little bit for that last Brickyard that you didn't get a chance to compete in last July? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still really bummed I didn't, you know, my final year get to come here, especially to have a shot to tie Jeff in, uh, you know, the, the race wins here for a NASCAR vehicle. But it is what it is. You know, I can't do much about it now, obviously. But uh, to be back in an IndyCar at Indianapolis Motor Speed was really special. And also, you're going to get a chance to run this course twice this year. You'll be back in August. And how much more do you feel you'll be able to be better prepared for that August race, having run a race here on this configuration? Yeah, it's amazing how I feel since lap one because I've been here before and I've been in the sim two different times one for the test session I tested at and then again prepping for here so the familiarity is very helpful and I think this track is is more forgiving from a, a line of sight standpoint and certainly in the braking zones if you challenge the high braking zones you have runoff runoff room so um, it's in it's an environment that's encouraging me to attack and to, to challenge harder just my confidence in knowing what the car is capable of I felt like I spent the whole day just just kind of getting some of the basics under control. And perfect example is the final turn on the front straightaway. I'm not sure I ever ran it flat in the test session here. And by lap three, I was flat, no problem. So just knowing the, the capability of the car and, and what it can do has, has been a, a probably the biggest thing that I noticed. Just feeling comfortable and confident so I can attack. I feel like the big chunks of speed um, aren't there for me anymore and now it's really about the little nuances and how to carry speed in different areas. Um, this is where the fun really begins. This is where uh, frustration and fun, I guess, where you're trying to chisel away at just a tenth here and there to get in the game. How much are you going to be working with TK beginning next Tuesday and just being part of the team? Yeah, just be hanging around, doing what I can. You know, I'm, I'm here on the weekends with TV, but um, 
you know, I feel like there's so much that the team has to process and digest in between sessions. I just hope I don't get in the way and in, in, in the distraction. What did you think of that job TK did in that first Texas race, bringing it up all the way from the rear to a pretty yeah, good finish? He was flying. Um, I hate that the second one, I don't even know if he went a quarter mile before there was trouble. Well, I guess before the start finish. Um, yeah, I feel bad for him and the team on that on that side of things. But um, he's he's going to be he's going to be a threat at all these ovals. But that Saturday race, he showed that the old guy oh, still got it in him. He does, without a doubt, and he's he's as committed and eager as ever. So I look forward to watching these final couple races. With four victories in the Brickyard 400 back in your NASCAR days, how important was that first win here in the Brickyard 400? Uh, that first that first win um, was really big for me here because this track I, I was so bad prior to that win and and I really studied hard to understand how to attack the four different corners and then uh, early in the race we had a left front flat tire that that I thought put us out of contention and tore up the car where I wouldn't be able to recover and we fought our way back from um, almost being a lap down and dead last in the field and, and won the race. So it was a pretty big celebration after. What's it been like having the legendary Scott Dixon as your teammate at Chip Ganassi Racing? He's been been a great friend and teammate through this whole process, not only here this year, but you know the year or two of the, the process of getting here and my planning and curiosity in IndyCar, curiosity in which team to drive for. He's, he's been a, a real friend through it all. How big of a part of you wishes you could be in a car here on May 30th? I'm good with where I am right now. You know, I, until I can test a car, the, you know, then um, that's, that's the realistic next step for me on an oval. You know, I had a chance when this was all getting started to be here on, on May 30th and elected not to. So I still have a process that I'm, I'm going through. I'm very eager to try an oval, very eager to be here for the 500, and I know it's only going to feel that fire more. I'm not in the game yet, so at least right now there's less pressure on me than, um, than I've had in years past, really kind of ever here, because... I always, always came here with the, the thought of winning, and that, that kind of pressure is the, the highest of pressures. But right now, there's you know, it's a rookie year. There's very little testing. Um, people know and understand the, the environment that I'm in, the situation I'm in, the change of pace. So I, I don't feel like there's a lot of pressure now. But as the year goes on, it's going to keep ratcheting up. What does your family and daughters think of you racing here at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway uh, road course? They dig it. They uh, they watch the in-car videos with me as I'm prepping, and um, especially my youngest Lydia. She's she's got the racing bug inside of her. They're definitely into it. Is there a certain beauty and majesty to see these cars and on this track? Yeah, this is their uh, native environment. Yeah. You know, this is what they're supposed to be doing. Um, it's cool, you know, and it, it, I can't wait to be here uh, f for the oval and see practice, see qualifying, see the race, and, uh, and and soak all that in. But an IndyCar at this track is uh, is pretty darn special. Our featured interview is with 2008 Indianapolis 500 winner and six-time NTT IndyCar Series champion, Scott Dixon. One of the greatest drivers of all time, Dixon continues to chase an elusive second victory in the Indy 500 after finishing second to Takuma Sato in last year's 500-mile race. 
We're back to crowded areas in Gasoline Alley. How how good is that? Uh, it's great to see. It's uh, not easy to get around, which is, I guess, is a good problem to have. But no, it's you know, I think it's great for everybody to see the change that's uh, slowly coming. Hopefully, it's uh, uninhibited and we can continue that you know direction for the rest of the season. But I think you know it's definitely special to have that option here. I think for Indy uh, for the first race of it. So uh, kudos to obviously everybody at IMS and and uh, local uh, authorities, I guess. Yeah, it's big. You know, I think it's we've kind of seen slowly at the end of last season, you know, uh, to to now. This is probably the biggest change this weekend, just because you know the the paddock or, or you know confinement for the teams has always been blocked off. Um, so now being uh, you know trying to get back to you know the motorhomes or the trucks or anything like that, uh, there's a lot of autographs to sign. Um, so you've got to make sure you build in the time to get from place to place. But again, it's fantastic to, to have the fans back here. And, um, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, the 500 at least is going to look a little uh, more normal, especially after last year. Teammate Jimmy Johnson ran his first race on the IMS road course Saturday. What do you think of his continued development in an IndyCar? Yeah, it's great. You know, uh, we had a little bit of uh, time together in the off season. Um, you know, his work ethic and, and honestly taking, um, you know, a jump like this is, is as I said in preseason comments, I think he's got to be pretty crazy to even attempt to do this, you know. So uh, unfortunately for him, he's got to unlearn, and unlearn what he's been doing for 20 years and then kind of start as a rookie. So it's funny to call Jimmy a rookie, uh, seven-time NASCAR champion, but it's, uh, it's fantastic to have him here. It's huge for IndyCar uh, as a series, and then it's you know it's it's big uh, you know obviously his first time here racing at the Speedway as well. You were one of Bobby Unser's favorite drivers, and you got to know him in his latter years. What do you think on uh, the passing of Bobby Unser, and how do you like to remember him? Uh, oh, Bobby, you can't not not remember him, man. He uh, just I think he was he was pretty much a, a stand-up comedian. You know I don't know how truthful a lot of his stories were, but they were definitely very good stories and and uh, made a lot of people laugh. But no, you know. I respect him uh, greatly as, as a racer and what he did uh, for our community. Uh, but, you know, I'm definitely going to miss not seeing him uh, this Indianapolis 500. But he also seemed to be a guy that taught the importance of being nice to the fans. And he was super nice to the fans and yeah. always spoke to him, made him feel important. Yeah, he was just a super personal, per, you know, personable person um, in, in general. You know, he was a guy that, you know, back in the motorhome lot that you could just sit down and chat with and reminisce and, you know, ask about, you know, uh, what they would get up to in their days versus what we do now, you know. And, and uh, I know even my motorhome driver, uh, Dennis Weeks, you know, they were very tight and, you know, I used to see those guys uh, after sessions, you know, talking all the time. So, you know, again, I think it's just missing his presence, missing who he was as a person, uh, and definitely missing his stories. When you talk about the depth of the field in the 150 Indianapolis 500, there are nine former winners entered in this year's 500. Second to the 10 former winners who competed in the 1992 Indianapolis 500. And when you think of the depth of the field in this year's 500, how much more competitive do you think it will be? Yeah, I think that's, you know... IndyCar in general, you know, I think the the competitiveness has been has been uh, you know crazy deep. Um, you know, considering even I think back to when I first started, and I would say, you know, the last few years I'd say that's taken another step. Um, I think, and what's really changed that too is that there's no small teams anymore. You know, I've been saying that probably for the last five years, but you know, you, you kind of get shocked a little bit once you hire, or there's you know people crossing over from different teams and from what you would think as a smaller team, 
we'd be outspending bigger teams in, in areas that you wouldn't even think about. So it's, uh, you know, it's not just the, the level of the drivers, but it's the level of the engineering staff, so all the teams, um, you know, plus, you know, I think uh, when you look at the fundamentals of, you know, say McLaren, Johnny Schmidt and, you know, their background and what they have as far as staff-wise and resources, you know, that that's there's no small teams anymore. So it, uh, it definitely makes it a lot tougher. The hardest thing is if you slip up a little bit now, you're not just dropping three or four spots, you know, you're dropping all the way to the back. Practice is underway for the 150-500. Fast Friday is coming up this week with qualifications on Saturday, the run for the pole on Sunday. What is your outlook and forecast heading into this year's Indianapolis 500? Yeah, it's really hard. I feel like, you know, for the first... Uh, you know, three, four days. Once you get to Fast Friday, you kind of get a little more of a, you know, a, a bit of a, a run of, of who's going to be fast, especially for qualifying. Um, last year we saw, you know, uh, Honda was pretty strong in qualifying uh, configuration and then, you know, the, the rest uh, of, you know, race running was was, was pretty equal. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It looks like the competition's maybe brought a, a pretty uh, hefty upgrade this year uh, from the preseason test that we did. So we'll have to see where that goes. But, you know, I think it's going to be very tight. You're one victory away from Mario Andretti's 52 wins. Uh, if you do it here at the Speedway, you're going to bring him up to the podium with you? Uh, if he would come, I'm not sure he would come, but uh, actually Mario was in here maybe about 30 minutes ago, so I don't know why he was doing in our, in our, uh, our garages, but no, uh, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's uh, an amazing competitor, a hero of mine, and, and uh, it's just, you know, it's so cool that we're able to have him at the racetrack every weekend. But this would be a tremendous place to equal his mark. Yeah, not this weekend, but uh, in a couple of weekends, that'd be pretty cool. The first step toward Indy 500 glory begins this week. Practice began on Tuesday, May 18th, and runs every day, including Fast Friday on May 21. It's Armed Forces Qualifying Day 1 on Saturday, May 22nd, followed by the final day of qualifications on Sunday, May 22nd. Featuring last chance qualifying for the final row 11 from 1.45 p.m. to 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time. The run for the pole and the starting order for the first three rows will be determined in Fast 9 qualifying from 3 to 3.45 p.m. Eastern Time. A final two-hour practice for the field of 33 will follow from 5 to 7 p.m. And that puts a checkered flag on this episode of Pit Pass IndyCar. We want to thank all of our guests for joining us today, including GMR Grand Prix race winner, Renus VK, his team owner, Ed Carpenter, two-time Indianapolis 500 winning driver and current IndyCar race official, Ari Leyendyke, team owner, Dale Coyne, seven-time NASCAR Cup Series champion, Jimmy Johnson, and six-time NTT IndyCar Series champion and 2008 Indy 500 winner, Scott Dixon, for taking the time to make Pit Pass Indy your path to victory lane for all things IndyCar. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thanks to our production team. Executive producers are Bridget Coyne and Gerardo Orlando. Recordings and edits were done by me, Bruce Martin, and final mixing was done by Dave Douglas. Learn more at evergreenpodcast.com. Until next time, be sure to keep it out of the wall.